So in the Jewish calendar, there are five uh, really big days. Uh, And and you may know some of them, but we're going to talk about all of them over the next uh, couple of months. Um, The one you probably know are Passover, Pentecost, and the Ninth of Ab. And the, actually you probably know the first two, uh, but... Pentecost is when uh, they celebrate the giving of the law. Now, we know the term Pentecost quite, uh, pretty, pretty well because in Acts 2, which is one of the, our, our faith tradition's uh, favorite chapters, we, uh, we have, that, that's what they're celebrating. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and gave a sermon proclaiming that Jesus was alive and that uh, he, was, he was resurrected and that he was king. And he proclaimed, this Jesus, whom you crucified, is now Lord and Savior. And everyone said, what should we do? And that's in Acts 2, 36 and 37 and 38. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. And you will receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, that, that story happens on a very special day for them. The day of Pentecost is uh, not just a day for starting movements. It's a, start, it's a day of reading of the law. Pentecost celebrates the giving of the law that we find, you'll find in Exodus 20. Uh, and those of you who are reading, um, following the Bible schedule on the bulletins, um, reading through the Bible, you'll, you'll know, notice that you, you started Leviticus um, and Leviticus is going to get crazy um and but then you're going to get into numbers and that's tough once you're out of numbers you're free until deuteronomy which is the next one (laughs) and but then after that it's smooth sailing until you daniel can be confusing but you're you're coming out of uh leviticus numbers but if you're reading um the if you're reading that, you'll see that there's just so many laws. And, and some of them are so minute and so, um, so hard to, un- like, just thinking, like, what was this a problem? Like, were people eating grasshoppers? Actually, that does happen um, south of us. So, sorry, I have a Louisiana joke again, Todd. I apologize. <laughs> they, don't they cover them in chocolate or something, chocolate-covered grasshoppers? Okay, maybe that's just Arkansas. <laughs> so there, we have a, we have a, um, they have this tradition of reminding themselves every year, not just that the law existed. They knew that all the time. Like everybody knew the law existed. What they celebrated on Pentecost is that the law had been given, that God gave them the law. They didn't deserve the law, but God gave them the law. And for them, the law was grace. The law was a gift from God given to them, and they celebrated every year that God gave them the law. Now, on the five important days throughout the year, every holiday came with a particular secondary reading. So on Passover, you would, you would get together your family, you would eat the Passover meal, you'd do it the way the, uh, 
that it was that the Bible told you to do it, that God had told you to do it, you would remember that your people walked out of Egypt. They were enslaved in slavery and they walked out and they crossed the Red Sea. You would you would remember that with your family. And then you would dismiss the kids and read Song of Songs together. You would they had a particular reading for every holiday. And the reading for Pentecost, the scroll for Pentecost was was Ruth. They would read Ruth together. And, 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 and sometimes the, the books don't connect all that well. Like you may be thinking, why Song of Songs with Passover? Stick with us, we'll get there. But sometimes you need a story to help connect to a law. Sometimes you need a, a song to connect to an event. And so when we read laws or when we say these are the, these are the good things you should do and these are, these are some good things um, that are good now even and there's some bad things you probably need to stay away from. And don't do this and do this. When we list those things, one of the things we've got to consistently do, remind ourselves, is that those lists, those laws, those do's and do nots, can and do exist in human stories. To put flesh on the bones of the law and give it a timeline and a story and an existence. So that for them, the story of Ruth wasn't just a story of, uh, of like two people finding love in pain. The story of those two people would be Naomi and, and Ruth. They find the love of Boaz and the love of God in the time of trial and um, hurt. But the story... Of Ruth reminds them that in a broken world, in a place where, remember we talked about last week, uh, at the end of Judges, it says at the time, Ruth existed in the, in the time of Judges where everyone did whatever they wanted. What we find in Ruth is people honoring their commitments. What we find in Ruth is someone being committed to somebody else. What we find in Ruth is a loyalty that is insisted upon by God and the law. We find people actually doing the things God called them to do in this small little story. And it has huge implications. We find them living out the story of God. And you know, if you are a good person, whatever, however you define that, probably, you know, you're the standard and then whoever's worse is worse than you and whoever's better is trying too hard. But however you define good, like we, we have in our mind, like, well, that type of person's a good person, this type of person's a bad person, and but if you think, I, I'm going to do my best to follow the will of God. I'm going to do my best to love my neighbor and love God. As you are doing those things, 
Those things are creating a story of your life that furthers the story of God's kingdom. Those are ingredients into a much larger thing that's going on. So when you love your neighbor, it's not just because God told you to do it, although that's why we do those things. But when you love your neighbor, there's something bigger happening, not just with, with, with their life, but with your life and with the life of God's church. Like All of that's happening and working together. When we make good choices, when we don't say the thing that we should have said. Have you ever driven away from a place? A bit of a conversation, a bit of an argument. Said, oh, you know what I should have said? Thank God. Uh, because he blessed you with the ability not to say it. That's a blessing. God is working in our lives, and sometimes that looks like just morality. Sometimes God's moving in our life just looks like an ethical, loving life. But we should not be so um, brazen to convert the, the Christianity into Boy Scouts. And we shouldn't turn a beautiful powerful story of a resurrected king into a G-rated movie. But sometimes when looked on from the outside, it's just a, like a little story of Ruth just doing the thing she knew best to do. Let's read it, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. It gets a little risque, but that's part of the point. Uh, risque is French for... I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I will be, in all the terms that are difficult, I will be speaking French. So let's move forward. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. Um, this is Naomi. Um, Boaz has shown her kindness. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked Boaz, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you, you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. All she wanted was food. And what, he, what she got was a blessing because I've heard about the good that you've done. I've heard what you, you are, what, what, how good of a person you are. Why have you done this? Well, because you're fantastic. We have um, a tendency... Everybody has a tendency to treat good people, kind people, kindly. Everyone knows 
Um, I hate to lead on Don and Stacy Bright, so I'm not going to do that right now. <laughs> but let's imagine like a fantastic person, you know. Okay, so. <laughs> so, if you were, how many of us, if we were in, I say Walmart too much, the hardware store. If we were in the hardware store, we, um, and saw just some stranger yelling at someone we loved and thought, that person's kind to everybody. Why would they? Who, who among us wouldn't say, whoa, hold on, what's going on here? But there's other people you know that if you saw them in a shouting match, usually in Walmart, what? what? <laughs> Obviously, you'd be like, oh, well, there's that again. For some, for some of us, I hate to word the, use the word drama, because the people who use the word drama most love it the most, and they're usually using the word drama in sentences like, I don't love drama. Okay. <laughs> they all, if you say that, you love it. I don't love it. Yeah, you do. And then always something on Facebook. I don't love drama, but 80 paragraphs of just blasting someone. <laughs> but, like, there's people that we say, like, I can believe that you would be in this situation. And there's people where we'd say, I can't let it blows my mind to picture Stacy Bright fist fighting somebody. <laughs> so I'll take a moment. <laughs> like, or, you know, like, or someone, or it's it just, it, there, and there are people that are, the people that are, that are most valuable to me are the people that I know, like, I have a hard time imagining them saying a bad word about anybody. And that is, that is so valuable. But we all know that there's varying degrees of, of expectations in human beings. And what Boaz is saying here is, I listen, because she's picking up food that, the, that his workers are dropping, and he said, oh, you can do that. And she said, Oh, you've shown me kindness. Why would you? He said, oh, I know you. And I know your actions. And they matter. The way you treat people will matter in the future. And as practical and as simplistic as that sounds, sometimes it's hard to get things like that in our brain. We'd much rather... Come up with like some Christian doctrine, some some worship uh, argument where we're like, I can tell you, I can skip through the Bible and tell you why these people are wrong and that person is wrong. But the way you treat people matters more than anything. And you can you can do some real damage, not just to your soul and not just to your relationship with God, but just to your story. Things come back up. That's why the word comeuppance is a word. Ruth, Ruth had a story to tell so far. 
Her story's not over. We're only in chapter two, but her story's not over. But she, her story so far was one that allowed her story to go further. In uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the things that they ask uh, of you is to go back when it's appropriate and make, um, make things <laughs> right. Apologize. Ask for forgiveness. One of the reasons they do that is because they're trying to set you on a new story. Head you down a new path. And sometimes to do that, you're going to have to go back into the past and some readjust some things. Some tra trajectories, some relationships. You're going to have to change them. Sometimes repentance means say, finding someone and saying, Listen, I know you, you might not even remember this, but I'm sorry. Because I'm so dedicated to my new life that I'm going to look back into my old one and see how it's going to affect the new one. So, Ruth is shown kindness by Boaz. And Boaz says, may God, we'll look at that scripture again. I wanna, he says, may, the, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then she goes home. And she shows Naomi the food she's been blessed with. And, she, and Naomi says, well, who, who gave you this? And she said, oh, a man named Boaz. And Naomi, like a light, boop, went off on top of her head. And she thought about that all night. And the next morning, not the next morning, but one day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you. Or you, you will be well provided for. Now, 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 Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he will, he's a relative. What that means is he has some responsibility to take care of us by the law. Now, in this day and age, in, in that day and age, who knew, right? It, just because you had the responsibility didn't mean you were actually going to do it. Tonight he will be winnowing barley in the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Bling it up. Then go down to the threshing floor. <laughs> That's not even a real term. <laughs> then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. Right? So don't interrupt a man while he's eating and drinking. That's just a rule in the Bible. Uh, there's an interesting I, I told y'all last week that the author of this story is brilliant uh, just it's beautifully written and at this point they're trying to portray the author's trying to portray this, this secretive sense like with their word with the author's words he's casting a shadow on the story making it happen at night and you're waiting until he's he's eaten and he's drinking uh, drunk drunk and drank and drinking and he's he's ha he's drank his drink and you wait until he has finished eating and drinking when he lies down note the place where he's lying then go and uncover his feet and lie down there's a long discussion about what uncover his feet actually means and I'll tell you this much it is an innuendo uh, but it's, 
it's actually, if you, if you know the Hebrew, it's not the only innuendo that we've come across so far. There's been about five. There's been about five Hebrew innuendos of them, of, of the writer hinting <coughs> at things that might happen in the tent. But I want to be real clear. This is not to tantalize the audience. The writer is not doing this for um, gratuitous measure. The writer is wanting, because innuendo mean, could, it could mean one thing or it could mean the other. And the writer is building this tension of, is Boaz going to take care of her? And in this particular circumstance, it means giving her a child, which means you got to uncover some feet. So, there, there, is, there is a tension here that the writer is trying to build, trying to, trying to make you say, well, which way is it going to go? Did he mean that or did he mean this? Did he mean, did he mean un- uncover his feet or uncover his feet? What, which one? And so, <coughs> if you're new here, we don't talk like this every time. <laughs> And so, but there is a tension, and he want, the author wants you to feel this tension of what, not just is it going to happen, but who, who's going to take care of Ruth? Is God going to take care of Ruth? Someone we've already established is loyal, and who, even though she's a foreigner, a Moabitess, she, she's following the laws of God. Will God take care of the one who follows his law uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do verse 5 i will do whatever you say ruth answered so she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do except one when boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile notice again the they're putting the situation, the writer's putting the situation off in the corner. It's in the black of night. It's dark. He's, he's away from everybody. Far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. Good question. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. And then, notice, Naomi said... Let him tell you what to do. But instead, Ruth says, I'm your servant. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Notice the imagery of him saying to her in verse 2, May the Lord spread his wings over you. And then she comes to him and said, Spread your garment over me. This is a a formal way of proposal. And a woman asking a man to, uh, to, to marry her was, is such a hardline tradition back then that it's lasted all the way till now that you don't violate that. That's, that's odd. A little forward of her, don't you think? But Ruth gets into this story by asking for what she wants. By stating what she needs. And I think sometimes our stories are hindered by the fact that we're kind of, we would like to 
we would like to pretend that we've got it all together. And that we don't need something. I'll be fine. Man, I bet we say fine and lie so much. I'm fine. You okay? I'm fine. Mostly not. Boaz replies, The Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than that which you, have sh- you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I, this is the peak of the whole story. I will do what you ask. She asked him to marry her, and he says yes. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. And this woman of noble character moves to Bethlehem. And as we talked about last week, ends up having, ends up being a grandmother to David the king. And as mentioned in Matthew 1, as an ancestor of Jesus. One of the four or five women mentioned there. And he is, it's just this simple story. Nothing fantastic, no no dry bones came to life. No waters were parted. No one, no one fed 5,000. No one walked on the water. No one did any miracles. No one came back to life. Just a woman told a man she needed something. And her noble character led him to agree. And he held up his part of the bargain. You see, when we do the right thing, then it creates more right things. That's contagious. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not understand it and the darkness does not overcome it, says in John 1. As we... Listen, sometimes, sometimes Christian life can be this thought, complex thought process. So we can, we can have deep discussions about things and how how would Jesus react to the current situation? Sometimes it's just a basic principle of being kind and honoring your decisions, your, your commitments, and following the commands of God. Letting your noble character drive your story instead of your selfish ambition wreck your story. Ruth is just a simple story. There's no... It's beautifully told. It just I, I, I don't want to get too nerd about that, but it is just beautifully told. But it's just a simple story. But after, after the reading of the law, they would open Ruth and say, look at this simple story where people just did what they were supposed to. Isn't that crazy? See how it works. I want my children to obey me. Uh, Mostly because I'm an egomaniac. No, mostly because I have their best interest in mind. When Jesus tells tells us to do something, when God tells us to do something, it acts... 
It's not because the thing he tells us to do matters to him. It's because you matter to him. And you matter to God. So therefore, do the thing. Not because he, he wants love your neighbor is, is something for you, not for your neighbor. Although it's for your neighbor too. But that's how your soul moves on in a wonderful and beautiful story. That's how, that's how you change the world. We're not going to change the world through teaching. As much as I would like that. As much as I wish I could just sit everybody down and say, okay, let me talk you through it real quick. Give me an hour and a half and I can, I can just set you all right. That, that's not helpful. People walk away from preaching, from sermons, from church, most of the time, thinking very seriously about lunch. Sort of just... Someday I'm going to have a 30-minute sermon on lunch and see if you walk away thinking about something serious. That's <laughs> just, I don't know, something we've got to deal with. People don't, people don't change because of the sermons they hear. They change because of the stories that are being lived out all around them. And that simple story that is obedient. It's not because God, God's watching you and checking off the list. <coughs> making sure that you're not wrong and making sure that you, he's not... Doing that, that's not why we're obedient. We're obedient because that's, I mean, God, that's the way to live. The way God has called us to live, and it's a wonderful life. Not an easy life, not like a simple life, not a life where you're healthy all the time or you're, everything goes your way. That's not the life that God calls us to, but it is a life where I can handle when I'm not healthy. And I, can handle when thing, I can handle it when things don't go my way. See, Ruth has this power in just the simplicity of it. Yeah, let's list all of the laws, but then let's set those over here and let me just tell you a story about something simple but important. And that may be your story. Just a noble character going from one scene to the next until your great-great-grandkids do something important. Long term, long form, but it's worth the effort. Jesus can do something with your story starting today. It will be a long process. It will be hard, and he will shape you in ways that you'd probably rather not be shaped. But if you're ready to give into that, if you're ready to start that journey, or if you're ready to, if you need the help of your church to continue that story, the obedient life is worth living. It's actually the only real life worth living. If you're ready to continue that journey or start that journey in Jesus' name today, please come forward while we stand.